0: Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Snyder.
1: And I'm Angie Fryermuth.
0: In this episode, we're discussing planning. And we've put together a a roundtable discussion for you. With us today are Mr. Eric Bush, Joe Redican, Susan Layton, Jeremy Ladart, and Carla Roberts. Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. All right, so before we get into the round table and start talking about planning, could you all tell us a bit about yourself and your role with the Corps? Starting with you, Mr. Bush.
2: Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Angie. So I'm currently the Chief of Planning and Policy at the headquarters. And I've been in that job now about two years. Prior to that, I was the Chief of Planning at the South Atlantic Division. And prior to that, I was the Chief of Planning in Jacksonville District. And so I've got about 21 years total in with the Corps of Engineers now. But the most important uh, experience, I think, uh, when I look back for me, was the 10 years I spent with the state of Florida prior to coming to work for the Corps of Engineers. So, during that time, I was on the partner side of this Civil Works relationship, and it uh, gave me great insight into some of the potential that the Corps of Engineers has and some of the challenges we have with our partners implementing our Civil Works projects and programs.
3: Hello, everybody. My name is Joe Redican. Um, I'm the Deputy Chief of Planning and Policy Division at Corps Headquarters. I have approximately 28 years experience in the Corps. 13 of those years are in districts uh, with remaining time up at Headquarters. I currently sit over the Office of Water Project review and the Planning Community of Practice. One of my favorite experiences in the CORE was when I was uh, just starting at Headquarters. Um, and I got an opportunity to sit in a the Gulf Coast Ecosystem Restoration Task Force, which was led by the five Gulf states um, and all the other federal agencies and looking for long-term restoration opportunities in the Gulf.
4: Good morning. I am Susan Layton. I'm Deputy Chief for the Planning Community of Practice. I have been with the Corps for just about 20 years, about nine years in Jacksonville District as an environmental compliance and some environmental formulation primarily on the Everglades there. And then about nine years in Norfolk District where I was environmental chief and then chief of planning. So the past few years I've been with headquarters as well as about a year uh, with the South Atlantic Division doing chief of planning uh, for that division. So my job within the planning community is, I, I feel that I'm the people person. I take care of our planners. I make sure our planners have the information they need. Uh, that they have the training and development that they need and generally when I come into a meeting with a lot of people that I don't know they always say oh you're the person that sends out all the emails so yes I am the email person for planning Uh, that's me so thanks very much
5: hey good morning Aaron and Angie very happy to be with you today Uh, my name is Jeremy Ladart I am currently the acting chief of the office of water project review Um, I'm on a temporary detail at least through December in that capacity and in my permanent job, I am the Chief of the Planning and Environmental Division at the Mobile District. But prior to that, I spent 11 years in the Office of Water Project Review and Headquarters. So I have a very, believe I have a very unique perspective of both the District and the Headquarters level. And hopefully, I'm excited to be able to share that with you and the audience today.
6: Happy to be here on uh, this podcast. My name is Carla Roberts, and I am the deputy chief of the Mississippi Valley and Southwestern Division Regional Integration Team. MVD and SWD RIT is nested under the Planning and Policy Division, with Mr. Bush being our chief. So I think I bring a pretty unique perspective in that we are involved in planning, but we also see things uh, across the entire spectrum of the Life cycle of a project, my experience spans about 13 years with the Corps. I started in the Baltimore district, actually in the planning division, both in military. Planning as well as civil works planning and have spent. Uh, the remainder of my career with the regional integration teams, uh, at headquarters. Happy to participate in today's discussion.
1: Thank you all for being with us this morning and we're excited to talk more about planning. So, Mr. Bush, for those listeners who are new to the Corps, or really just don't know uh, a lot about planning, can you share with us planning's mission?
2: Well, very simply put, planning in the Corps of Engineers is a deliberative process for making Army Civil Works investment recommendations to decision makers. Now, that's a simple definition, but but it, it is essentially what we do. Of course, the study work that we do can be extraordinarily complex and it's governed by laws and policies going back 100 years or more in the nation. One of the bulwark policies that we implement through water resources planning is the 1983 principles and guidelines. Those have been the framework for doing civil works planning for our entire careers, but those have recently been updated and actually, it's it's even not that recent. Twenty thirteen, we had principles and requirements that were established by the Water Resources Council and, and the CEQ. And then uh, in twenty fourteen, we had the guidelines. Uh, now we have been prohibited through funding restrictions from implementing those until very recently. And so this is an exciting time to be working in planning in the Corps of Engineers because we are at this time led by the Assistant Secretary of the Army's Office for Civil Works. Developing the agency specific procedures. Implement our new principles requirements and guidelines, so that's going to fundamentally change in some ways how we formulate, evaluate and select projects for implementation. And the way that's going to change how we do that is to provide more emphasis on. Other social effects, including environmental justice, climate considerations. Community cohesion, those types of things. And also, um, it will require us to, to look at trade offs differently where we're impacting environmental justice. Outcomes or having adverse environmental impacts. We're going to be comparing those to the economic benefits associated with the projects that we're evaluating and recommending in order to make those. Final recommendations to decision makers.
0: Thanks everybody again for being here today. So it's good to hear about the planning mission and, you know, really that new emphasis on other social effects, environmental justice, climate, and and maybe most impressive for me is listening to all of you and how you have some either non federal sponsor experience or working for the district. And I think when you're in the field, you look to headquarters and be like, oh, they don't know what's going on. But in planning, you know, you guys have a great team up there that knows what's going on in the district. So. Seems like you guys maybe have an advantage compared to, to some of the other disciplines and really how to move things along. And Jeremy, I don't want to put the full blame on this for you or to you, but you know, I know you were part of the planning modernization team uh that revised planning before and it came into three by three by three. Could you tell us a little bit about what three by three by three is and how it impacts uh, the districts?
5: Sure, Aaron, that's a great question. And I will admit I was there, but I don't think I can take the full blame to have a target on me on that one. In short, 3x3x3 is an execution framework that started with the Corps own policy in February of 2012 with a memo from then Major General Walsh that forms the baseline of feasibility type analyses. And the three, three, three stands for three years, $3 million three million three and three levels of the vertical team. Later, Congress said, we really like this new three by three by three paradigm that you've created. Um, and it is a little different than smart planning. Hopefully we can take a minute to talk about the difference between those two. But Congress liked the three by three by three so much they codified it in law in the Water Resources Reform and Development Act of 2014 and subsequent legislation. So, by policy and by law, 3x3x3 forms the framework of how all feasibility studies are supposed to be executed. Now, we do have the ability to request from the headquarters and the administration exemptions to both the time component and the cost component for various reasons. Um, But at the district level, if you're going to go into an agreement for a new feasibility study, the 3x3x3 is supposed to be the standard by which we all seek to achieve or exceed.
1: And since you mentioned it, can you talk a little bit about smart planning for the folks that may not know?
5: Absolutely. Um, Aaron mentioned, and he was part of the original team as well. In 2010, um, we were challenged by Congress and and the administration for taking too long um, and costing too much to get to recommendations for design and construction through the planning process. In order to set a new paradigm, we laid out not only the execution part of it for our uh, management of the feasibility study, but we also talked about level of detail and balancing risk and uncertainty and decision-making among other things. And that's really what forms the basis of smart planning. It's not about the time and the cost, it's about how you look at a problem and you address the needs of the nation. And we think creatively, You know, we don't go to the nth degree. We're all engineers and scientists. We like to go to to a certain level of detail, but how much is really needed for me to make an informed decision and recommend to the chief, uh, to be able to sign a chief's report and to stand behind a flood risk management project or a navigation project. So you really get into the conceptual side of planning when you talk about smart planning, where three by three by three is really the management side and execution of the feasibility study.
1: Thank you for explaining that. So, Susan, we recently heard that your team uh, has been taking a closer look at the 3 x 3 by 3 to ensure that it effectively meets the CORE's work that we're doing right now. So, can you talk about this process improvement? Absolutely.
4: Thanks, Angie. And really, we have multiple process improvement efforts always ongoing because we have so many different uh, types of projects that we do and processes that we use. Uh, but specific to your question, we have recently done a, a Lean Six Sigma type review of our planning process and actually starting with uh, our headquarters part of the process. So the very end of the process and what happens when a report reaches headquarters. So we want to make sure we're looking, obviously, internally at our headquarters team as well as the full uh, three year process. So we're In the midst of looking at all of that, look to see where there's gaps in efficiency and things that we could do more effectively both at the the district division and headquarters level. I will add, uh, in addition to that, we have several initiatives that we have had going on recently to try and help our districts execute the projects as efficiently as possible. One, we recently released multiple templates and checklists, which seems very mundane, uh, but when we don't really want our teams reinventing the wheels, you know, we do these again and again, but sometimes we see this at headquarters, but the district may only have a project every few years. So trying to make the process more seamless and provide that information that makes it easier for things to go smoothly. And finally, referencing back to one of the things Jeremy said and the exception process we also have initiated some uh, guidance recently, so that at the beginning of the process, hopefully the teams can more effectively scope fully what's needed at the very beginning. If any exceptions are needed to the 3 by 3 that can be identified and codified at the very beginning and approved. And Hopefully, that helps the project run more smoothly throughout if more time or funding is needed. So I know the question was about, you know, what is the process improvement, but I couldn't help, but adding we have multiple ongoing initiatives because there's just lots of places. We know that that we can improve and we want to work to provide those tools to the field wherever we can.
0: Thanks. For that. It's good to hear, you know, the difference between 3 by 3 by 3 smart planning and really how you're continuously trying to refine and make things more efficient. Carla, you kind of have a unique role being focused more on expediting project delivery and moving things forward. So could you tell me what do you see as the biggest challenge uh, for expediting project delivery?
6: Sure. And this is an excellent question and and certainly one that I'm sure there are several answers to. But just something that we see working in the regional integration team and sort of being the lead for issue resolution and, and the action officer for headquarters related actions that relate to whether it be a, a study or or actually execution of a project uh, that was recommended by a study, resourcing is always a challenge. And resourcing can mean funds, but it can also mean people. The, the right, you know, a fully resourced team with the right expertise is going to deliver a project uh, certainly more expeditiously, but also team cohesion and communication is important too. If you have a well-functioning team, that's going to drive Project execution for sure. And I think what we've seen uh, in recent years is that it's complicated, uh, right? Implementing a project, there are many different functional areas that are involved. Real estate, just as an example, and making sure that you have all of those team members at the table and making sure that we're informing our schedules and and those sort of things going forward. So I I would say that really uh, resourcing and team cohesion uh, are important and challenges that we may see uh, at least within the regional integration team over.
1: I can see where that is a key factor in success, right? Uh, There's so many levels of the core that communication and making sure that we all understand the mission and what's going on is very important. So Joe, recently the administration has been focused on environmental justice And can you tell us a little bit about environmental justice initiatives and what the Corps is doing to reach disadvantaged communities?
3: Um, Yes, I can. Thank you, Angie. A few years ago, the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works provided a directive to the Corps of Engineers on developing and documenting comprehensive benefits into our project justification beyond the National Economic Development Plan benefits. And the the justification, for these types of benefits was to provide benefits to underserved or disadvantaged communities. Um, That started getting the Corps of Engineers and particularly planning down the road of looking at these other opportunities that we normally would not provide in justification for projects to identify solutions um, that would uh, provide more equity in our study areas. After that, the Assistant Secretary of the Army issued interim guidance on March 15, 2022, on environmental justice and the Justice 40 initiatives. It identified the Corps of Engineers to identify and address, as appropriate, disproportionately high and adverse human health or environmental effects of its programs, policies, and activities on minority populations and low income populations. We also believe um, that with this guidance, Um, We looked into what other activities, programs we can utilize in the CORE to help reach out and start laying the groundwork for identifying these types of opportunities uh, for these communities. Through our floodplain management services program and our planning assistance to states uh, programs, we're able to identify opportunities to incorporate the goals of environmental justice and justice for the initiatives through the communities. Since the March 2022 uh, guidance, uh, we have put together a strategic implementation plan and a communications plan uh, in coordination with the Secretary's office to further work with uh, districts and divisions to develop these communication and strategy plans. You know, we feel it is uh, imperative for us to continue to look at all types of opportunities to work with these types of communities um, and identify solutions. We know that these are not uh, processes that we have at the tip of our fingers um, and that we can go and just create these opportunities in, in real time. But we need to continue to work and continue the dialogue uh, now and then into future generations to uh, better implement, uh, identify and implement longer term solutions.
0: All right, thanks, Joe. So, you know, in hearing what you all have been saying today, I've heard about smart planning, heard about three by three by three, and Mr. Bush, you talked about you know, emphasis on other social effects, environmental justice, climate trade-offs. I know from the district perspective, and this question we is something we have to ask, how do we really expect these districts to be able to deliver within three by three by three, the smart planning, the risk-informed decision making? And all of these other components that seem to be getting added uh, to the planning process. How do we expect the districts to actually be able to achieve that within this 3 by 3 framework? Uh, And what is headquarters doing to help
5: enable that?
2: We at the headquarters and across the entire civil works enterprise. Fully recognize that not only. Is the scale and the complexity of the studies that we're doing. Generally increasing. But we've also added new requirements into our process uh, in the succeeding years since the Water Resources Act of 2014, which codified three by three by three. Now, that said, you, and you mentioned it, Aaron, uh, a lot of us have worked in, in our districts. All of us have worked in our districts. And so I think we as a group, as a leadership team, have a lot of confidence that our districts will be able to deliver. Studies and projects within the guidelines that have been. Set within the standards that have been set for for delivering those investment recommendations. Yes, uh, you know, we've had a number of studies and projects, which have exceeded the the 3 by 3 by 3. Time and cost limits, but we are continually improving and and, uh, you heard Susan talk about that a little bit. We're continuing improving. How we deliver our studies and projects. Our districts are getting better and better at this over time, and so as we evolve into the types of analyzes we've been discussing, how we incorporate environmental justice and social equity, how we consider climate impacts into, into our project designs and cost estimates and implementation plans, how we incorporate other technical uncertainties, all that is going to con- to continue to improve, in my opinion, with the delivery of our projects and programs. The 1 reason I am confident about that, and I wanted to share it is, is uh, we've been doing. Review meetings with all of our. Regional offices with all of our division offices and so these have been extensive review meetings where we looked soup to nuts. At the workforce, uh, the workload and the specific projects uh, that are being undertaken in those. Regions and in those districts, so we have a, you know, a greater depth of understanding now of the challenges that our districts are facing. And what barriers they are coming up against what we can do at the headquarters to affect that. And also, where we need to go higher uh, with policy changes. And and, uh, even ultimately, even with some, some legislative changes in order to to change. The velocity and the trajectory of delivering the work that the, the taxpayers have asked us to do.
4: And if I could jump in on that with just to to echo a few of those items, one, I've seen more than any time in the last 10 years a real emphasis from senior leadership all the way through Civil Works on appropriate scoping and asking at the beginning for what the project teams need. So I think there is a recognition that a lot is being asked, but there's also, I think, an acceptance of if it is a complex project that needs additional scope, additional time, additional funding. If we can identify that up front, then that there is a, a process through our VTAM to, to make that happen and be approved hopefully more quickly and efficiently. So that's on the district side. And then and on the headquarters side, another initiative that we're doing is the collaboration and execution assessment, which that's a big name for not so complicated of an initiative, which is basically looking discreetly at each project and looking at specific durations, processes, rules that we have for each project and seeing where we're hitting the mark and where studies are hitting the mark and where they're not. So that helps us to identify if there's lots of studies that aren't making certain durations or aren't able to uh, complete certain products, perhaps that is something within the process that we have to look at. So we're trying to set up tools both that the district can tell us what they need through their VTAM, but also on our side, we're looking at- each of the studies very closely to see if there's areas and expectations which are not being met by many teams. And if so, perhaps that tells us something that we need to look at our process and see if adjustments need to be made. So we are, all of these things take time and there are some of them are culture shifts. They don't happen quickly or overnight, but they are things that we're aware of and working on.
3: And Aaron and Angie, I, I wanted to add that, you know, we at headquarters, Understands that nothing that the core does is easy. And in, in addition, you know, the districts are especially under difficult and limiting constraints in implementing all these new programs and processes with guidance and policies that are being developed at the times that they're implementing these programs and processes. And that their life in the field is uh, becoming ever more difficult every day. As we look to develop more policies and guidance to you all, we also take in mind that we don't want to limit innovation and allow you all to think differently and out of the box in developing uh, your project-specific recommendations. So one thing that we ask here in headquarters is for the vertical team, the third part of three by three by three, to communicate and be transparent. Um, we're not here to set up a gotcha moment, though at times it seems that way because of the pressures that are on all of us. Um, but we're really trying to help enable you all to think differently, to provide recommendations and ideas that we can then allow to be utilized across the enterprise, and then also to help um, inform uh, the administration about the great ideas and recommendations that we have to uh, better enable projects and programs for the nation
2: no that
0: that's great and that's helpful, and it's good to hear that you know headquarters is, is aware of some of these challenges and It does seem uh, like we've heard this already a couple of times about communications, both from Carla and Susan. Susan, the emails that you send out. And I think planning really does a great job communicating. Um, You know, there's a newsletter out there. There's lots of emails that come out. Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm on those distribution lists. So you see all of them, which is great. But being that we have you know an organization that's districts, division, headquarters, secretary, and you know up to OMB, how do we ensure that the latest information is being moved through the system timely and efficiently? So Susan, uh, and then Carla, could you guys comment on that?
4: Sure. so i I do think even though those are recurring and hopefully, welcome communications, newsletters, PCAP webinars, and I won't take offense at your words, Erin, of uh, well or not, but I think because they are so institutionalized all the way up and down the chain, those are well-regarded. And our PCAP webinars, we often share those with the ASA's office that those would be happening and get participation at all levels. So I do think even though they're uh, a standard recurring event, I think that helps us to get that information out there now, to the the external partners, which uh, I'm sure Carla has some thoughts on that, I would say we primarily rely on the districts to do the external partner communication because they're the ones with the relationships they're the ones with the day to day communication and the and the uh, relationship in the field with those sponsors. We do have some communication tools that we use at the headquarters fact sheets and brochures that we provide, but even those are often provided to the district to get out to those external partners. So I will stop there and see if Carla has anything to add on that. So another great tool that we have that I think reaches well beyond planning is our Planning Toolbox. Um, So it is a website that links to pretty much anything I would say anybody needs in the Civil Works world. That so we often hear, particularly in those functional areas outside of planning, our Office of Council, engineering, real estate, that a lot of those functional areas are also going to the planning toolbox to find information on anything Civil Works related, as well as the ASA's office. So I do think that that is a, a great tool. We update it at least weekly, sometimes more than that, if we have new information that has come out that we want to provide to the field and we also post our webinars on there so you can get our newest training our newest policy really anything policy related so that's a great tool that i think a lot of folks know about and is helpful for anybody looking for anything planning or civil works related
1: you are absolutely right that is like one of the first places i go to if i'm looking for something it's a great tool and i am so glad that you all have created it at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you all talked about how long you've been with the Corps. And I think it's safe to say that we're all seasoned employees. And I can almost guess that all of us have, have had experience being the new kid on the block and trying to figure out how to navigate the federal government. Um, and I think planning does a really good job of training their new planners and making sure they have the tools they need to succeed. I would like to know what advice you have for a planner just starting with the Corps of Engineers, how can they set themselves up for success? So I guess we'll start with you, Mr. Bush.
2: And I appreciate you acknowledging how helped me in my career is volunteering to take on difficult tasks. Uh, maybe they're not so much difficult as just there's a lot of uncertainty or lack of information about how to perform it. Now, that that has helped me to teach myself how to do civil works and planning, but it has also, I think, contributed uh, in a small way to, you know, our enterprise and and how we do it, not only in the district where I was working, but, but across the entire civil works enterprise. So, for me, it's just identifying opportunities to volunteer in order to problem solve.
5: Yeah, thanks, Angie. I think this is a really great question. It's one of my favorite things about being a district planning chief is bringing on new talent into the organization and seeing them grow. I usually give 2 pieces of advice to anybody new that I'm talking to um, and it's kind of universal, not just for planners. The 1st is to develop a strong command of the fundamentals. Uh, we work in an ever changing environment, both from a political standpoint and just from the nature of the type of work that we do. Um, but there's certain fundamental things that just continue to translate through time with the civil works arena, you know, whether it's needing authority and appropriation or having a non federal sponsor on every project or cost share, et cetera. And the other thing I like to tell people when they're coming in, um, one of my preferences is to diversify your knowledge and experience. Um, we have this really great breadth of mission, um, both in type across all of the different things that we do in civil works and military, as well as geographic location. So really learn and get a deep knowledge of the basic steps and building blocks of what we do. And then don't just stay in one confined area, really venture out. And I think that that's a real recipe for success.
4: Okay. Well, I also usually provide two pieces of advice. The first one is really not at all specific to planners. It's just a good advice for young employees, irrelevant to planning, but maximize your Thrift Savings Plan investment. It's too late to do it when you're 20 years into your career, so do it when you start, and you'll be very happy with that. So now back to planning, and I'm going to go back to-it's It's a little bit of a recurring theme, I think, with what uh, Jeremy and Mr. Bush both said as well, but really take advantage of the opportunities you get in the Corps of Engineers. We do such cool things, And particularly now with so many remote opportunities, I mean, there are details that come up, there's deployments that come up, and you never know when you're gonna see that opportunity again. So don't just uh, look at the email and delete it and think that's not for me. Look at each opportunity and think, maybe that's something that I could do totally out of the box. Maybe you'll find that you have a whole new career path, or maybe you'll just find that you got a really cool opportunity doing something different. So take advantage of all the really amazing things that the CORE does. Um, Learn from it, and uh, yeah, you won't be sorry. And this is Carla. In the same vein, I would say being uncomfortable
6: means you're growing. So doing hard things and taking those opportunities that many of the folks have just mentioned may be uncomfortable. It takes you out of your comfort zone. It feels hard, um, but that's how you know that you're growing uh, personally and professionally.
3: And this is Joe and I have two things just to add. One is something that I've tried really hard to do in my career that has helped me have a more positive outlook is finding that family work life balance. So there are and people out there in senior leadership positions who do a good job of finding that balance and always try to find ways to balance it even more. But it's a long race. The only way to get there is by making sure that you take care of yourself first. So um, if you're passionate about your work and passionate about home, um, then you should be able to do both. The other thing is in your career, most people, most of the time, are looking for the short path to getting advanced towards advancement. So sometimes you need to take. The circuitous route that may take a lot longer, may be harder, but in the end, it will make you a better employee, person, planner, and uh, you'll be better off for it in the end.
1: Well, thank you all for for that advice. I don't know if it's because I grew up in the planning arena uh, when I switched over from IT to to planning, um, but I will say that uh, I am thankful for the leadership that has been in planning and who's in there now, because it, it you really are investing in the future of the Corps of Engineers. So thank you for all of that. Um We're nearing the end of our time together. So Mr. Bush, what does the future look like for planning?
2: Yes, thank you, Angie. And first, let me just thank you for making the switch to be part of our planning community. As you said, uh, no regrets. I try to avoid Hyperbole, but it has never been a more exciting and interesting time than now to be in civil works planning uh, for the, the Army Corps of Engineers. Our workload has reached historically unprecedented levels, and the challenges that we are dealing with these water resources challenges that we are dealing with now are extremely difficult, but nonetheless very gratifying to try and. Solve and resolve for the communities and the partners that we serve. So, uh, it, we are uh, in extraordinary times and I feel like. Civil works planning is extraordinarily relevant to the. United States taxpayer and the people in the communities that we serve. Now, there's a risk of being overconfident here. I want to, I want to be clear about that too. Uh, because we do have a, a daunting workload. And uh, it's important, very important that we succeed in delivering that workload here. And so we have to pay attention to the risks associated with delivering that workload. And that includes things like having the people that we need. We've talked about that, Uh, having the technical tools that we need, having the relationships that we need in order to succeed. I also wanna mention that um, planning is not just about the front end of the civil works Process uh, planning supports the life cycle of civil works, so we're very involved in design, even construction modifications during construction phase, and even during the operations and maintenance phases of our projects. So planning serves the life cycle of uh, civil works, and so when you think about the appropriations that we've received recently through the disaster supplemental[s] in 2018, 2019, 2022, a lot of that is life cycle planning work. And so we're involved in the continuum of delivering our civil works projects and programs. And that I think that makes for exciting work for our, our planning workforce to do. You've heard about the initiatives that we have underway to improve. How we do civil works planning, and I, I don't want to overlook that that's really about how to get better outcomes. Out of our civil works projects and the programs that were implemented and so we're, we're excited about. Where we're going to go in this journey of improvement. I like to say that planning is post revolutionary. We're in an evolutionary phase now where we're continuing to evolve and improve how we do planning and try to get better outcomes through that deliberative process that I spoke to earlier. We are on a journey of continuous improvement in civil works planning at headquarters and across our entire planning community. My goal is to improve how we serve our partners and our taxpayers and so i just want to thank you and aaron for the opportunity to talk about planning and civil works with my teammates at the headquarters today
0: well hearing you all talk today has really made me excited for planning um, and i want to thank you all for joining us today for this edition of inside the castle we appreciate you and your insights to our listeners we want to hear from you what topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the Corps and revolutionize civil works together.